Right here. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want him? Yeah. Welcome back to Redneck Tech Podcast. This is episode, I don't know, I started without looking. Give me two seconds. Breaking the law at the current moment, driving down the road. Um, episode number 69. We are currently in Texas. We left Georgia this morning at 5 o'clock in the morning. I left my house at about 4.30. Picked Ryer up in Dawsonville, and we've been driving ever since. We're... 10 hours into a 13-ish, 14-hour drive to Oklahoma, and we're in the truck. This is our first full-blown mobile podcast. I did a mobile podcast back, I don't know, one of the earlier episodes through my AirPods. Um, Turned out okay, but we brought the whole podcast rig in the truck. I say the whole rig. It's almost all the rig, right? It's not everything. We don't have, like, the... It's a bare-bones rig. Bare-bones rig, yes. We're very, very uh, bare-bones down. And uh, we're driving out here to do three content videos and some pictures. Uh, we got two Rambo videos and a next stand video that we will be working on in the next three or four days. Um, yes, we did have to drive 14 hours to do this because the deer hunting is better in Oklahoma than it is in Georgia. So we're gonna, I'm going to try and kill a deer while I'm out here at the same time. Going back out here to Rock Bottom Ranch with my buddy that I've hunted out here for almost 10 years now. And Ryer is going to get to experience the beauty of bow hunting in oklahoma i'm excited yeah i just got to experience texas bow hunting and that was pretty cool yeah you got to kill a bunch of stuff that which is rare for you i I guess compared to your old job where y'all hunted a bunch but weren't as successful as often then you went on a kill mission and how did you feel about a kill mission i liked it (laughs) i liked it i liked it well, there was I, there were so many deer that I had to stop myself from recording too much deer footage, well, which is a problem I've never had in my life yeah, ever. Well, you're probably about to have that problem again here tomorrow morning in about I don't know 16 hours, something like that. Uh, the deer are starting to rut out here, but anyway, I'm currently driving. Ryer's riding shotgun, and he's monitoring audio. I'm literally just talking into a microphone as I drive. It's kind of awkward trying to do this podcast and not being able to look at Ryer when he's talking, but um, we will make do. But anyway, we figured we were kind of talking about it going down the road as to what we wanted to do podcast-wise, and I thought we've already done one filming Whitetails podcast, but since we're about to go film Whitetails again, I figured we would kind of dive maybe even deeper into that whole concept of filming Whitetails because I, I started filming Whitetails. That's all I knew, especially when I went to work filming television. That's, I would say, 70% or 80% of everything I'd ever filmed was whitetails out of a tree stand or a ground blind. And and I would say it's probably 50 or 60% of what I do now. I wouldn't say, oh, it's probably pretty close. I'd have to really look at at my schedule and what I've done the last year or so, but... um, I don't feel like I do as much whitetails now as I used to, or we're just a little more efficient at doing it, which I'm not filming day in and day out in the tree stand like I did at Foxworthy, so it seems less. Um, but anyway, uh, Ryer has only filmed whitetails how many times? I think I've been on three whitetail trips. Three whitetail trips. Three so. whitetail trips. And one trip, we didn't see a whitetail until the last 30 minutes of of the day on the last day so that one doesn't really so yeah i wouldn't count that one (laughs) so then i would say maryland and then this past trip in texas unless i'm forgetting one oh yeah no i did i did a my first year ever doing this i went down to texas and uh filmed whitetail so i guess that'd be four okay so i would say less than five it could be five i could be missing one but four or five i got you well in comparison you know, you filmed elk, you filmed whitetails. You're about to do your first mule deer at the end of this trip. You'll go to Colorado. What's, you know, out of everything you filmed, you've never done turkeys, have you? We did a couple turkeys. Well, uh, you've never with done. A bow you've never, okay. From a ground blind. No, that doesn't count then. So you can determine yeah, whether or not, or not that's I'm authentic I'm sorry or not. for you listening that hunt ground blind turkeys with a bow. 
but you know how I feel about that. That doesn't count. Okay, so you'll get to film your first real, air quotes, turkey hunt this spring, mm-hmm. and you're going to get do your first mule deer. So out of the, well, hell, I guess it's just elk and whitetails right now. Oh, well, you've done hogs. What's your, if you could choose one right now on your, you know, fairly limited experience, what's your favorite? I mean, I just have to say elk. Well, and, and well, and I think the reason is it, I know I the could reason, pick elk, right? Yeah, I you wasn't pick picking elk. no, no, no. You white tail and something else. Well, I think elk. Elk's or my just, favorite too, just because of, I mean, it's a freaking elk, and I think that's why Western hunting, and Western filmmaking, and Western content is, you know, becoming so. I guess more mainstream now is because of the romance with elk and the romance with the West and the access to public land, which we've talked about that. I've talked about that with virtually everybody I've ever been on a trip with is how much harder and harder and harder is becoming to become a proficient whitetail hunter, um, finding ground, finding access and all that. But we're not the podcast to talk about all that good stuff, even though I could go on and on about it. We're the podcast to talk about the technical side of filming, uh, whitetails. So, that's what we are going to try and do on this one. So I figured since Ryer's only done a couple of them, I kind of wanted him to take the reins and go through how he approaches a hunt, and then I'll jump in from that there. Seems, so, that seems counterintuitive. Well, no. Well, I kind of want to. I kind of want to like this hunt we're going on. So I'm sure you've thought through it a little bit. I mean, the, the videos we're going to do are pretty simple. Right. We're not necessarily shooting a full blown. Um, trip or video or or, or or show or something like that even though i think we're going to go into it and probably at the end of it we could use it for a whole show or a whole web show or something um you know i kind of want to kind of dress this thing down a little bit to like where where do you start um and you know essentially you know when you're t- talking about that story that beginning and middle and an end and you're talking about a white tail hunt where does that story start in your mind when you're, you know, when you're producing? So, I I tend to think pretty chronologically. Yeah. Uh, so generally, on any hunt, I mean, you got to get to where you're going, or you got to at least show where you're going. I mean, for a lot of guys, you're going to a different property. We're going to a different state. You know, halfway across so, the country. Halfway across the country. So what I'm doing is making sure that I show that somehow you know that's your driving shots that's your talking about where you're going where you're coming from the anticipation uh, i always get like to get expectations um because those i like how you can play with those sometimes um you know if you've got when you mean expectations you mean the uh, hunter's expectations for the hunt you're wanting him yeah, to, how it's, you're how wanting it's him go. in the dialogue to tell you what his expectations are for the next five, ten, you know, season or, or trip. You know what those expectations are. Yeah, is he excited? Um, what kind of what kind of animals does he expect to see? What kind of hunting are we expecting? What kind of maybe weather are you expecting? Um, you know, I mean, you could be really excited. You could have a bunch of bang up stands. You could have a bunch of deer on trail cameras. You could have all that stuff. So you're going into it, and you're like, man, we got you know, three different bucks in a couple stand locations and we're going to go after these ones. We're super stoked about it. Or you could be going, look, this is a brand new place. We've never been here. We don't have stands. We don't have trail cameras. We got a little bit of intel that there's good deer, but we have no idea what we're walking into. And now you can set the stage for the whole hunt. Yeah. And you know, sometimes your expectations, you got all these bucks on camera and all of a sudden they're gone. You know, now you can play with that. Now you have big expectations the bucks are gone and now you can show that show that confusion show the frustration or you have no expectations or you know no idea of what you're going into and you got a booner out there yeah. and it's freaking so cool that he just showed up and now he's here now we're hunting him yeah. now we're going to nail in and on you're where telling he's at. you're using that to tell the story but yeah to 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 to, to to back up even more yeah sorry I probably so no you're there. fine I, I like where you're going with it but to back up even more we're 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 shooting the beginning, and I talk about that all the time: the beginning, the middle, and the end. So the beginning, the first shot, the first thing you're gonna do is you're gonna show you're gonna have a shot that shows the beginning of something. What can that be? That can be a sunrise. 
That can be getting in the truck and starting the truck. That can be driving down the road and showing an early morning, showing the, the clock on the, rate, you know, on, the, on the inside of the truck this morning said 5 a.m. And then you hear me start talking about where we're going or whoever your hunter is, talk about where you're going. Well, those things subconsciously told me this is the beginning of something. Okay, so we've got the beginning. We've got the in the truck. You've got my expectations. You've got where we're going. You've got travel shots. You've got signs. You've got tights of hands on the steering wheel. You've got eyes. You've got um, passing lanes, passing cars. You've got GoPro shots. You've got all these things that you have access to in the car. What's the next thing that's going to happen? We're going to get there. And, and, and once we get there, then what? Well, usually... At least a lot of the ones that I've been on, there's usually somebody there already. So you, yeah. you're usually, you know, you're in the truck. Sometimes you're on the phone. You're going, hey, we're about to roll in or we're five minutes out, whatever. That's cool. That's a cool little piece of content to get. And then you roll up, get out of the truck. You're going to get out and talk with that person. So I always like to get, I like to get that interaction. Um, and then I guess from there, usually you're, you're kind of going right into the hunt from there yeah. you know whatever it is if you're going to hang stands so, hang cameras yeah, so or get right in say, say we're going right into hunting we've gotten to camp we've set up uh getting to camp with our outfitter or our friend or our buddy or our farmer our leaseholder or whatever so we got there and now we're going to go hunting what are some things that we can shoot to transition us from getting out of the truck and arriving to camp to in the tree so you could do getting gear out of the truck putting gear on walking to your stand if you wanted to go through all that you could just go and get a nice aerial or a nice scenic and you know lay it over the back end of your talking with whoever you met at the property nice scenic and then come in with talking in the stand if you really want to just get right into it and that's the simplest way of doing it and that's the cleanest way of doing it in my opinion and and when when i'm when we're talking about all these shots of arriving to camp shaking outfitters hands all that stuff is that very cliche to what television shows are yeah it is but and this all all this depends on also what your goal is you know what kind of content are you creating are you creating a web show that's five minutes long then we don't need any of that crap. You tell the part of the story that you want told, but if you're trying to stretch a 30-minute show out of it, you better film every aspect of that hunt in order to, you know, especially if you only kill one deer and you don't have a great story, well, then there's you've got to fill 22 and a half minutes of content. So, But for those guys out there that are just filming home videos or trying to learn, what we're, you know, kind of what we're saying is we're showing you the steps or we're talking about the steps that we take to create a solid video and give you all those basic building blocks of beginning, middle, and end. And the middle is where we get into the hunt. So when we get into the hunt, that's where you get to be creative. There's still basic building blocks. So on a hunt, what are some of the basic building blocks of an actual hunt? Once you get in the tree stand or in the ground blind, what are some things that you're going to get? The first thing I do as soon as we get into our setup ground blind stand wherever we're at i get you know i guess you call it the interviews or or opener. just opener or it, talking the, or, opener the setup i call yeah, it a bunch of different things whatever you want to call it it's basically having the hunter talk to the camera and say where they're at what we're doing what the weather's like yeah what some expectations who, are who, for what, that when, evening where, why, weather, yep. all that stuff and then once i have that the next thing that i do is i immediately i mean i don't i don't waste any time with this as soon as we get done with that i go okay what things that he just talked about let's get shots of those things yep. before so, i do anything else so or i give you an open interview hey man it's we're, we're here in oklahoma it's it's nice and crisp 52 degrees there's barely any wind it's beautiful these fall leaves are finally turning on the trees we've got a picture of a really good deer coming in here to the feeder and we're going to sit tight in here, trying to be real still and real quiet. It's the rut, so you never know what's going to happen. Okay, so what are all the things that you need to get from that interview? So first thing is uh, a wide of whatever field you're sitting over, and then I'm going to go get a couple artsy shots of leaves 
hopefully still leaves close up so you can see the leaves are not moving um i don't know anything that looks kind of fall to me pole focuses from one cool looking tree to another colors uh any kind of i don't know anything that shows the season and then uh, you talked about the buck on trail camera hopefully you've got that picture always pull pictures off the trail cameras if you if you're going to say anything about trail cameras or you're looking at trail cameras, just take that SD card and dump it on your computer, and you can use them or not, but it's always cool to pull those trail camera pictures. And you can do um, some pretty creative stuff with trail yeah. cam pics. Yep, and then uh, I would then get shots of my hunter just sitting. So I'd get some just meat, I guess meat, I don't know if you'd call it a wide, but a wide shot of them sitting. As wide as you can as get. As wide as you can get. Or in a blind, and yeah. then you know, a medium shot, shoulders up, and then boots, hands, eyes looking. Sometimes I'll just have them, like, kind of turn their head like they're looking. Glassing, Glassing. Uh, you know, their bow hanging up, any little pieces of gear, anything that just shows that you're sitting in a tree stand waiting for deer to come in. Yep, and that's exactly what you got to do is he just, he, he went through, he got all the shots that are relevant to what I talked about, now he's getting sponsored gear. He's getting broadheads, releases, fletches, rests, bows, cams, um, all those things that help to tell that story. And then when you're shooting that interview, and I, I've done this several different ways, and I'm sure you have too. When you're shooting that open interview, sometimes I like to have two cameras. I like to have a point of view camera like a GoPro or an Osmo Action or sometimes even a handheld DSLR being a second camera and then i like to have my big camera with the audio so i'll set my big camera on the tripod or on the camera arm i lock it down check my audio levels and have them talk to that camera and then i'll use my gopro or my pov or my dslr to be creative to show a really like bird's eye god's eye view or a super tight cool creative rack focus from something in the tree to him while he's talking um there's a thousand different ways you can do that it's just kind of whatever the, a lot of times when you're a tree stand, whatever that tree stand lends itself to. Some some trees are really easy to film out of. Some of them are a pain in the butt. Blinds, a blind's a blind's a blind usually, you know. You only have so much space, so much room, and I've shot cutaways and blinds in the front yard of a house after we kill a deer because it got too dark or we got in there and there's already deer in the field and we wanted to be quiet. Just be creative. That that's And now, now once we get that interview. I just wanted to insert here. Uh, you can also fake a second angle. Oh, for sure. And I, I do that a lot, especially on not not so much with, with whitetails and things where you're sitting, but on running gun stuff for sure. If if you don't have a second camera or it's you know you don't have the time to take and set up a separate second camera, you just tell your hunter, hey, okay, I like that. Say all of that again, and you just punch that camera into a tight, move yourself a little bit, make the angle a little bit different, and then just i a lot of times people say well i can't remember exactly what i said i said it don't matter just close just say kind of the same stuff and then when i get into the editing room you know it takes a little bit more editing work but you can cut between those two camera angles as long as they said kind of a couple of the same things yeah and then you get two takes out of it to choose the best way they said whichever one yeah for sure well and now that we've got the interview shot we've got all our supporting b-roll for that interview now we're waiting on we're waiting on things to happen. We're waiting on animals. And this is where you get to be creative. This is where an animal comes out in the field. And it's really nice to have the problem like we have in Texas and Oklahoma and Alberta where there's so many deer that you only focus on the bucks. And you only shoot wide, medium tights of bucks. And when I'm, like when I when I just shot in Alberta, there's, there's tons of bucks. Three-year-old to... The deer we ended up missing was, we think, around 10 years old. So essentially what we did is every time a deer would come out, I get wide, medium, and tight. I get regular speed and high speed footage. If it's a really cool deer who's out there doing his thing, I focus on him. I get as much relevant footage as I possibly can, but I don't film him all night because I'm just not going to use it in an edit. I get wide, medium, tights. I get him coming in in high speed. I get him... You know, we got a really cool shot of one coming under us in the trees with leaves falling down. And just, it wasn't anything I did. It was just the deer coming in and it was pretty and we shot it at high speed. But I get all those things and I start building that story. When we see a big deer, 
we had a big deer come in the field that we thought if he came close enough we would shoot and he hung out in the field a long time so i get plenty of footage of him well now what do i need you know brian and i talked about it in the tree talked about the deer off camera i get a lot of footage so now what do i need to shoot i've got to shoot that conversation that he's having with himself so i shoot cutaways i turn the camera to brian and i say tell me about that deer that nine point we've been talking about and then he'd say we've got a really good deer in the field you know he's a, he's definitely a deer that we want to shoot if he comes close enough but we're really waiting on a bigger deer okay i got all the f supporting footage for that now i've got to have the talking about it so you always anytime something happens a deer comes out that you want to shoot and you don't get a shot well we have to we have to get that talking in that situation we have to get our hunter to explain what happened same thing if deer blow out of the field explain what happened same thing if you drop your bow out of the stand or something crazy you know whatever happens you have to get supporting dialogue for that if you're talking about it with your hunter and it's relevant to the story then you have to get that on camera you can't and i know it's a lot harder too when you're in a tree stand you're trying to be quiet uh you're trying to sit still you just have to be smart about it that's where you need to be a hunter as much as you are a producer because if you're flailing around filming stuff making noise being loud and trying to make good you know trying to be you know get epic footage well then you're you're taking away from the hunt you've kind of got to walk that line for both of them um so we get all that stuff we see deer we see animals an animal comes in and we decide we're going to shoot this deer so now what is your mindset well as soon as we figure or decide that we're going to shoot that deer now i'm zeroing into that deer yeah your whole uh, and, your 100 focus i don't is on move that deer. the camera off the deer i don't press the record button i keep my hands far you leave, away well, from you it you do press the record I mean, button but yeah. you leave it on record yeah i was assuming that i was already yeah recording. i know i know just make sure people are <laughs> make sure you yeah. press record yeah the red light needs to be on yeah usually i check that yeah sub subconsciously and consciously just oh, to make I do sure too. i still check it a thousand times every time now still <laughs> yeah so uh and and i always with you got one deer in the field it's yeah. easy you know okay yeah. that's the deer we're going to shoot but like this past trip when i was with kip especially with does we'd be getting ready to shoot a doe and there'd be kind of different groups of does and so then i need to make sure that i'm on the one that he is on yep and then as they're moving around one may be presenting a shot somewhere else and this and is you got to move to that one and then if that one leaves there may be another one so two, you gotta and two, have that two things two things make that way easier is talking to your hunter beforehand on making sure they're communicating with you and they mm -hmm. know not to shoot until you give them the green light and the second thing is wearing earbuds and them have on a wireless mic 100 percent. because if they have on a wireless mic you have in your earbuds they can tell you and walk you through exactly which deer they're shooting you do not have to say anything back because they're going to say second group of does next to the cedar tree the one closest to me you know exactly which one it is and all they have to do is whisper into their mic you hear every word that they say and it it it, it really cuts down on that breakdown of communication i've had it happen i'm sure everybody else out there has had it happen buying wireless mics lav mics is worth it just for that situation is communicating and make sure you tell your hunter hey look you have on a wireless mic I have earbuds in the entire time. If anything happens, if you see anything, if you need anything, all you've got to do is whisper into your mic and I'm going to hear it. I also, when I'm in the deer stand or in the ground blind, well, ground blind not so much because the, the communication is really easy, but in a tree stand, my camera stays on the whole time I'm in the tree. Yeah. The only time I turn it off is if for some reason my battery starts getting low and I'm running out of battery and i got to be conservative. But usually I've got more than one with me. The whole mm -hmm. time I'm in the tree stand, my camera is on, and I have earbuds in, and I'm listening to everything, which that helps and hurts. It helps me hear my hunter, but it hurts me in being able to be in the hunt and hearing animals coming because and you can't I, tell which direction they're yeah, coming. You can't either. tell. Yeah, your your yeah your directions are way off. So a lot of times I try and make it still it's still kind of hard, but I'll leave just my right earbud in because that'll be on that channel of audio. And I'll leave my left one out. That way I can still kind of hear ambient, but I still have him in my ear because my left ear is my shotgun. And I don't really worry about listening to it as much, but my right ear is set to my 
lav mic, which is on my Hunter, and that is invaluable when you are in a situation where you got multiple deer or when it's coming down to that final seconds of a deer coming in for them to say, are you on him? And you have that in your ear versus being in the moment, not hearing that, getting buck fever, them shooting, and you not have it. Versus if, if I don't have it and Chuck or Brian or somebody says, are you ready? I can say, no, 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 which is my keyword. It's kill him or no. That's the only two things you're going to hear me say in the heat of the moment. And I can say, kill him or no, 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 no. One or the other two things are going to be said. But if I don't have my earbuds in and they're whispering because they both whisper extremely quietly, I don't know, you know. And that's what you said. That's, it, that is so freaking important. And I can't stress that enough. Yeah, you got to be communicating with your hunter. And you got to know. You got to have I mean, a plan too. And, and it and it, it it happened to me in Texas where I'm on one deer, I'm kind of zoomed in on that one deer, and another How, one comes ready in. Ready to ride the lightning. And and you're just you know you're in the camera. You yep. don't know what anything outside that frame. You have no idea what it is. Yep. And so that that uh, that other deer came in, and Kip goes, you know, there there's a deer over to the right, or hey, there's another one coming in. I'm I'm going to go with that one. And I go oh zoom out find that one yep. zoom in you know and then he goes you got it and i can say yeah i got it and then he shoots yep oh yeah that's, that's super important so deer comes in and we're recording the whole time the deer comes in that we're going to shoot all right so another thing that we're doing is we're framing that shot and how do you want to frame a kill shot all right so bow hunting it's a little easier than rifle hunting rifle hunting i get as tight as i can um and probably put the animal you know fairly close to the center of the frame bow hunting you want that animal to fill up roughly 25 to 30 percent of your frame so that that animal is going to fill up about that much of the frame you're not too wide you're not too tight because the reason you want to be about that far away is when the animal runs you have enough lead time in your frame to follow them off as they're running and another thing is you don't want to be too wide you lose some of your resolution if you try and bump in in, in in post unless you're shooting in 4k but that's that's generally where we like we like to have the animals to fill up 25 30 percent of the frame and then you want to have them have a leading edge just a little bit what i mean by that is we don't put them in the center of the frame we try and cheat them about 10 percent on the leading edge of the frame the direction they're going because people want to see where animals are going not where they came from so that's that's not you know that's not super important. The most important thing is getting it in focus and getting the kill shot and making sure it's exposed and you've got good audio and good you know good light. But um, it, in a perfect world, that's what we like is them a little bit of a leading edge. And I'm coming in hot to a stop to a red light right now. Um, a little bit of a leading edge and and we're always running we're always running everything in full manual. You know, we don't have anything on autofocus. Our exposure's not in auto. You know, everything on our cameras is in manual. And the first time you go to film a kill or the first time you go to film something in autofocus, that one twig, that one branch, that one leaf is going to burn you. I can guarantee it. I've seen it so many times. People send me footage of a kill shot. Man, it was looking real good till he stepped behind that branch and all I can see is that branch, and all you see is a out-of-focus lighted knock fly into a brown blob behind it, and that's all you got because you weren't running in manual focus. Whether you're self-filming, or whether you're um, whether you're you know filming, so if you're filming someone else, there's no excuse not to be in manual focus. I can see somebody self-filming trying to run in auto. Uh, it's just you get what you get on auto uh, there, but um, I think that's extremely important. So. Animal runs off, shots made, everything's good. We're recording. What's the next thing you do? So I follow the animals as far as I can, and then... As far as you can or until it goes down. Yep, until it goes down. And then immediately swing that camera back over to the hunter. And a lot of times I don't say... I don't like to say anything. I let them say, do, feel, whatever they want. I swing it back change the uh change focus then change exposure if i need to and let them do whatever it is they're going to do most people are so pumped up 
and so stoked about what just happened that they don't need any direction. And I don't want to direct them. I want whatever is coming out of them naturally. I want all of those emotions. But and I just leave it on them yeah. until I can feel that, you know, it, that, that initial emotion is coming down. And then maybe I'll start to ask more direct questions if I feel like I didn't get something that I wanted when they first reacted. Yeah. But you can't recreate those first emotions. And, and I don't want my voice in there. And I don't want to alter that, so I just let them do their thing. No doubt. Well, and that's another and another thing I've learned, too, over the years is on those reactions, when you think the reaction's over, it's probably not over. You know, if they come in <laughs> and they talk for three or four minutes after the reaction, leave that camera on them, man. Because when they think that that camera's not on them anymore, that's when you get some of those gold pieces. You know, when, when you go to give them a fist pump after you think they're done talking, that's when you might get the best nuggets, that best one-liner, that best soundbite that's going to define the entire hunt is that five minutes after you think they're done talking. That's when you get the best stuff, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, the, they and, get and that initial rush, and then it like yeah, you can almost they it, get, sets it slows in. down, and then you can see their mind just click into yeah. it, and then it's Stokesville. Yeah, and, and the only thing when you're getting that reaction that you might have to go back and get is if they're just – pumped out of their mind and they forget something key that would that would really help the story like hey that deer winded us and ran out there and stopped and we shot him again or can you believe that just happened uh our this piece of gear really helped us kill that deer you know that's that's a sponsor whore out but that's the world we live in um you know and if you're self-filming this is for yourself then you say exactly whatever you want to say you do this thing however you want to do it just make sure when you come back and you get that reaction yourself, you take the time to make sure it's in focus and it's exposed and you've got decent sound because you go back and you want to watch that reaction back and it's dark or grainy or out of focus or the sound's gone, you know, your mic battery's died or something's wrong with it, you you can never get that feeling back. So it's important to monitor that stuff all the time. Um, and along those lines, is it your audience will be also a lot more forgiving if you know that isn't perfect right when you turn the camera around yeah you know even in the edit what i think people just kind of accept if if you get some super awesome emotions from them and you know it's right when you're turning the camera around you're switching light switching focus i mean some just don't don't throw it out or don't stop them and go hey do that again you know mm -hmm. you can 100 percent leave that in the edit and it almost adds to the authenticity yeah, yeah, of that moment. Exactly. Well, so we've got that. We've got the shot. We've got the kill. We've got the reaction. Now, what is the next thing you do as soon as the emotions start to settle back? Cutaways. Cutaways. Exactly. So before you get out of the stand. Before you get out of the stand, and while you still have the similar light. Um, so what do I mean when I say cutaways? Cutaways are, if you're bow hunting, that initial seeing the deer. Hey, there's a deer coming out. We're going to shoot that deer. We're getting tight shots of them saying that and whispering. We're getting them pointing. We're getting them glassing. We're getting them ranging. All the things that happened while you were completely focused on videoing that deer coming in, all those things that happened over your shoulder or just below you with that hunter or beside you in that blind, all of those things, now we have to go back and we have to recreate those. Now, a lot of guys, and we do too, we like to have a point of view camera, a second angle camera that's getting that as well. If I have that going and I get it all on my second angle live, awesome. I'm still shooting cutaways. I'm still shooting really tight shots of clipping into the release, flipping on the fire on a rifle, putting my finger, putting the finger in the trigger guard, drawing back, tights of eyes in the scope, tights of eyes in the peep side of the bow, ranging, glassing, heavy breathing, all those things. Now, is that faking? Is that recreating? Absolutely. All of those things happened, and if you're if you're filming something that is going to be used for entertainment, it's, it's no different than a movie. It's no different than a television show that's scripted. Those things, if you think a reality show is real, then you're smoking weed anyway, because the reason is, is if we're going to create something that is for entertainment, we absolutely have to recreate those things. It helps to tell the story. It helps, and, and I'm not saying over dramatize those things i'm telling you to get those shots while the emotions are still there that are going to 
help tell that story better. And those things are going to help you tremendously when you go to edit. When you go to edit, you're going to need all those things because even when an animal's coming in, most of the time I'm, I'm using those things to cut in and out to speed that deer coming up, coming in, or to lengthen and draw that out a little bit more. There's a lot of, there's so much value in getting those different shots and getting those different aspects of the hunt that, like I said, I've even said it five times, add, add value. And another thing is if you get those cutaways and you didn't have that second angle going live, recreate it on that camera too. That gives you even more options when you go to edit. Recreate that point of view, that point of view camera, that GoPro or that um, Osmo or whatever it is, then go back and shoot your cutaways. So now we've got all of those things done. We've got all of the cutaways, all the recreates, all that stuff's done. Now what? So now you're going to, I mean, some of this depends on how the shot was, where the deer went. Did you see it go down? Did you see it go into the woods? Uh, are you going to go look for it right now? Are you looking for blood? Are you looking for an arrow? Are you going to get down quiet, go back to camp, look at footage? Um, and we're filming all these things. We're filming right, this process. Right. So, you know, you're probably going to get the hunter saying, okay, what it is that we're doing next. Uh, I mean, more times than not, you're going to go look for an arrow. You're going to go look for initial blood. Yep. Um, even, even, if you see, even if you saw where the deer went down, a lot of times, you know, you would still go do that if for nothing else, just for the educational value of, you know, where the arrow went, what's on the arrow, stuff like that. And, you know, if you got an arrow, broadhead, fletching, whatever sponsor, they're going to want to see what that what that looked like um and then you're going to go do whatever it is that that the situation i guess calls for you to do so if if you're going to go look for blood and try to try to track that deer you're going to make sure that you're capturing that whole process you know you're capturing the blood on the ground them looking for the blood them saying oh here's blood there's blood or you know maybe hopefully not but maybe you didn't make such a great shot and the blood trail is sparse or whatever it may be having them say exactly what the situation is now what you're doing what the blood trail is like where you're at what they're feeling what they're thinking expectations again you know what their what their expectations are after that hit you know watch the footage back we made a great shot we looked at the arrow and it's got great blood okay well they said we watched the footage back we need to see that we think we made a good shot we replay the shot and the blood's got good you know the arrow's got good blood on it we show shots of that arrow all of those things that are spoken again in that dialogue we need supporting footage for you know that's that's the simplest way i can explain it if it's said i gotta have stuff to show you know it's it's one thing to talk to the camera and say these things it's another to have all the supporting footage for that talk and that's the simplest i can break it down and the way that we make good video and the way that we make good content is that those b-roll shots that we're getting to it to support our dialogue that's where you get to be creative you get to use lights you get to you know use high speed you get to be creative in those shots of that that arrow dripping you know the arrow blood you know the blood dripping off the arrow the you know the shot of the animal the watching the footage you know you've got your hunter in the foreground the the footage in the background and that you know your hunters out of focus those are those are ways that you can be creative and set yourself apart from just standing there shooting everything from the waist up standing up you know hand holding your camera and everything looks the same you know that's where those wide mediums and tights wide medium tights come in you know even something as simple as sitting at a computer and looking at trail camera pictures you know there's several ways that you can make that interesting you can show tights of hands on the keyboard you know you can even zoom in really tight and show almost the pixels in this in this computer screen go wides and do medium wide and mediums of actually looking at pictures tights of the eyes looking at pictures pointing to the screen all these things a that, wide shot of them in the room uh, even super e- wide well, even like that is a, a shot of the house from the outside looking through the window oh those are cool I like or those even further than that a drone shot of above the house and then you hear clicking and talking about a deer and that automatically gets me in the room so we don't have to say we're going to look at trail cam pictures in an interview we have a drone image we hear clicking on a computer and say man that's a really good deer well that subconsciously got me in that room 
But if I didn't take the time to fly the drone, if I didn't take the time to walk outside and shoot through the window, if I didn't take the time to get tight shots of the keyboard, tight shots of the mouse, tight shots of the computer screen, tight shots of eyes, medium shots of the room, wide shots of the room, and then I get all the dialogue of that's the deer we're going after, this is the area he's in. We get all those things. Now we have to make that look good. It's not it's not as easy as just shooting him talking at to the camera or talking your hunter talking to the camera sitting at a computer. Anybody can do that. A monkey can do that. That's the difference between a cameraman and a producer. You have to produce each and every scene. We have to have a beginning and a middle and an end. He goes in to look at the computer. He opens the computer. He talks about the computer. He closes the computer. He goes back to his room or goes to get ready. Those are the beginning and the middle and the end. And then we get to be creative in the interim. Yay? No? Yeah. Yeah. Yay. 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 I think one thing that I always... And sometimes it's just a subconscious. I notice myself doing it. But I think if you were to watch me, and this sounds self-serving, but... No. If if you were to watch me shoot a scene, I am moving around that scene a lot. I mean, to the point where it almost (laughs) is like, what... What does he shoot? Sometimes I'm not even shooting. Sometimes yeah. I just move around, to look. and I'm just looking like, yep. what does that look like? Yeah. What if does this standing, look like? If you're Where standing does... in the same spot to shoot virtually anything, then that's what your video is going to look like. It's going to look like standing flat-footed in the same place. That's what your video is going to look like. And sometimes you just got to Sometimes you just gotta play with it. Sometimes you just got to move to a spot, put the camera somewhere, and go, that sucks. Yep. Or you go, oh, I like that, and maybe it's moving the camera. Maybe it's doing something, and maybe it doesn't work out 100% the first time. You know, Maybe you're trying to move the camera handheld from zoom in, tight to zoom out. Yeah. whatever it may be, and you got to do a couple takes, and you yeah. just have to flow with it or whatever. I mean, you're going to look weird filming sometimes. But Who cares? That's, if, if you're moving around and you're trying different things and you're – that's where those shots that, asking, that hit you well, and that, you go, that's a cool shot. Yeah. And you're asking questions. Mm-hmm. You're saying, what are you doing? Where are we going? You know, you're behind the camera asking your talent that, whoever your hunter has. What are we doing? We're looking at trail cam pictures. Why? You know, where we're looking at seeing where we're going to go. Where are we going? Here's where we're going. Why are we going there? Well, the wind's good for there, blah, blah, blah. I've got to answer. I've got to ask those questions. You, I've said this before. I feel like a broken record when I start doing podcasts again. I, is you got to assume your viewers stupid. But and I'm not saying that to be mean, but how many times have you got on the internet and you've seen somebody post a picture about a a deer they killed in Texas and then somewhere in the comments somebody says where'd you kill that deer? Well, in the description it says Texas, but that person's too dumb to look and see where that where that deer was shot. Your viewers the same way. Whether you said you were in Oklahoma, whether you said you were in Texas, whether you said wherever, whatever you said the weather was, whether you said you were hunting whitetails, don't assume your viewer knows anything. Treat them like they're stupid because most of the time they're too lazy to infer. They just want to be entertained. They want to watch deer. We call it deer porn. That's why we show lots of deer. People like watching deer. You know? So... That there's there's value in asking questions and when you ask questions and you get answers then I have to produce that dialogue that goes along with that Briar asked me the question alright it's the first day you know set me up I set him up and I, I say something about the weather he's like say, say something about you know he's he's looked at the weather and I say something about the weather in my interview he's like hey I looked at the forecast and tomorrow it's supposed to be really cold say something about that so I go back in he shoots again. I say, hey, we looked. We just looked at the forecast. We looked on our hunt stand app, which, you know, we're doing content for hunt stand. We looked at our hunt stand app, and he gets a tight shot of my app. And we're like, the weather tomorrow is going to be awesome. You know, we got a cold front moving in, so this afternoon should be great. Well, that was because Ryer or me or whoever the producer is did their homework, looked at their weather, and saw, hey, look, this is going to add value to what you just said. And it might even lead into what's going to happen tonight because if the weather's going to be good tomorrow, we possibly could kill tonight and we would look like geniuses if we said that at the beginning of this interview. 
Well, it's better to say it and have it, not need it, than need it, not have it. You know, it's one of those things. But this is where you need to be on top of everything. You know, I mean, we all know who the smart one is. I mean, it's the producer. Let's be honest. You know, it's not the guy hunting. It's the guy behind the camera because that's a much harder job. You ask anybody that's done it for a long time, the guy running the camera, that's it, – it can be – it can be tough sometimes, um, which there's been there's been several situations where I would not want to be the guy with the bow in my hand too. So I don't know. That's kind of a two way street. I don't really know yeah. the, which one's tougher. Depends on who you ask and yeah. when you ask them. Exactly. <laughs> well, hopefully this trip to Oklahoma is going to be um, a one and done, and we get some we get some deer on the ground. But we're here gonna, like I said, we're gonna be filming a Rambo video, two Rambo videos. Uh, an X stand, uh, tree stand video, as well as we're going to be doing content for a couple of other companies. And, uh, you know, we just kind of brought the podcast stuff to, you know, well, we had a 14 hour drive and we needed something to do. So we've got one of these podcasts down and we're probably going to well, do. We, I mean, should we jump back into where we were at on the hunt filming? Oh, right well, there. Oh yeah, we, we didn't finish we, it. Did we, we bunny trailed. We did bunny trail. I mean, that's I that's don't know. That's fault. more of like an elk trail there. Yeah, we, true story. We went way off. Well, where did we end up? All right, we fit. We got covered. Uh, we were. So now we were. we're I guess blood trailing. Now we got to. Now something. we're going to recovery. Yep. Okay, so walk through your recovery. Well, so once you know that, I, I mean, oftentimes unless it just, you just walk up on it out of nowhere, you can usually see that it's, wherever that deer is laying. And, uh, you know, you might have to just tell your hunter, hey, hold on a second if you're not recording. Yeah. And get your camera up, start recording, follow them up to that, to that animal. If they or see you it, could get. Or if they see it before me, I tell them to stop and let me catch up. You know, or, or to get yeah. in the position that I want to be in. Right. Don't ever be the guy that's at the deer before your hunter gets there. That's stupid. Don't do that. Don't be the guy that's like waiting behind the antlers and the the, the hunter sees him is like all, acts all surprised. Don't do that. Like I'm okay with cutaways, but don't fake it that much. That's kind of stupid. Right. So, you know, you just follow him up to the deer, and then I do the same thing there as I would do right after their shot. Is I just roll camera. They're gonna move around. This is one of the harder things for for me to film and to produce. Um, it always is. But you can get some really cool stuff out of it, some really cool emotions. So I just let them get up on the animal, say whatever they want to say, pick it up, you know, admire it, look at it, and and just kind of fly around and try to keep up and try to get, uh, just I don't just try to capture it as good as you can. Sometimes it's easier than easier than others sometimes you know you may be able to just get in a position and hold it and kind of pan up back and forth and stuff but sometimes you won't not to cut you off but most of the time when i do it i do it i do three different things i get the initial walk up Mm -hmm. where they first see the deer and i get that emotion but i'm not i'm not doing a static medium shot most of the time when we first walk up to an animal and they reach down and pick up, let's just say for a whitetail, for instance, since we're talking about whitetails, they walk up, they pick up the antlers, they squat down, they're, they're looking at it, they're checking it out, and they're talking at the same time. Well, what I'm doing behind the camera is instead of being medium, I'm a little tighter, and I'm following that action. I'm Because fo- I'm, I don't have to worry about my audio because I have my live on and I'm listening to it. So I don't have to worry about, you know, a shotgun mic moving around and, like, losing my audio with them talking and not talking. So I am essentially following that action. I'm following hands down to antlers. I'm following hands up as they pick it up. I'm, as they're talking, I'm filming them talking. As they're talking in the middle of sentences, I'll even pan down to my antlers. I'm following all that action. My camera is never static. I'm, I'm in motion as they're in motion. You know, sometimes I'll even kind of swing and pan you know, kind of walk a half a circle, half moon around them as they're talking. You know, I'll squat down. I'll I'll, I'll I'll lean down and shoot up at them. I'll shoot down at them. I'll shoot tights of them talking. I'll pan down the antlers. I'll pan down to their hands, pan down to the body of the, of the animal, all those things. And when they're done talking with that, then what I'll do is I'll sit them down and position, the you know, the deer mm-hmm. in a better way, and I'll get that medium standard interview. You know, I'll sit them down, have them do it again. You know, give me the, give me the high points, and they'll go down. There's, you know, they'll sit behind the deer just like you take pictures. The camera is either on a tripod or it's on my shoulder, and I'm shooting that medium eye level 
shot. You know, so I'm, I'm squatted down on the ground or I'm sitting on my butt filming it. Then once I do that, I'm going to go back and I'm going to shoot my pretty stuff. My tights of the hands, tights of characteristics on antlers, um, you know, entry wounds with, you know, with, with broadheads or the bullet. I'm shooting, you know, the tops of their head, the tips of their antlers. I'm rack focusing. I'm showing them turning them, turning them in high speed. Uh, I'm doing as much of that stuff as I can, laying the antlers down, picking the antlers up, all those pretty things that I'm going to need to cut out the parts of that interview that I either don't need or when there's ums and ahs or pauses or awkwards or when they fumble their words or whatever, I have all those things to essentially cover up those edits and to make it pretty. You know, that's that's what it's about. I'm using the light, especially like if it's early morning, I'm, I'm, I'm using the sun. If it's late in the evening, I'm using headlamps and light, headlights or, you know, headlights on like rangers or headlamps on their head. I'm using those things to be creative. Um, but don't just walk in, shoot a medium static recovery and walk off. I mean, there's... There's so much more you can do to it. And then how do we end it? The best way to end it is just a shot of them dragging it off or loading in their truck. That tells you right there, we're done. That's it. Yeah. Um, you know, and then if you do a good job of creating dialogue in the tree, of setting up animals coming in the field, of doing a good recovery, if you do all those things right in the field, you don't need interviews. You don't need voiceover. You don't need you don't need any of those things that a lot of people use as a crutch. Do we do we produce stuff with interviews? Yeah, and I think they have value when you have a really good person on camera that's a great interviewee. But most guys, 90% of the people I've ever filmed, they would be better off not doing interviews. Um, I think I think people use interviews as a way to push the story along and as an excuse of being lazy in the field. When you can do a good job of creating that dialogue in the field, shooting supporting footage, being creative with it, you don't need interviews. And you can do a lot of that stuff in the edit too. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to get a little bit more creative on how to get in, out, and through scenes. Those transitions. Yeah, the, the transitions are... I think that's one thing that people... Maybe we should talk about transitions for a little bit. I think that's something that people struggle with. Um, now is understanding what a transition is. Yeah, when you say transition, you're not talking about a graphic. No, are you? No, I'm not. Okay, so that's that's. Thank you for saying that. So, look at when, me producing things. When, when you're editing, <laughs> when you're editing, there are things called transitions that you. There are graphics or like little things that you can drag into your edit that essentially make the video do things between two cuts that transition. When I say transitions. I'm saying shots that you can get with your camera that transition your viewer from one scene to the next scene or from one day to the next day, from one tree stand to another tree stand, from A to B. There's so many simple things you can do to transition your viewer. So one really easy one is a drone shot. If you get a big high drone shot of, uh, you know, the corner of your food plot with your, uh, you know, you know where your stand's at, all you have to do is you can go straight from, you can go straight from eating lunch, straight from shooting the bow, throw that drone shot in there, you hear somebody start talking in a whisper, the next shot you have them in the tree stand. Subconsciously, we know exactly what happened. That drone shot got us from shooting the bow in the yard to in the tree in one shot. That's a transition. Another way that you can do that is if you're going to the tree stand and you have somebody setting you up in camp, hey, you know, we're getting ready to go to the deer stand right now. We're going to get in the ranger and we're going to go to the tree and we're going to start hunting. Well, what's, what's a shot that we could get that gets us straight to the tree stand? The ranger driving by. Get out of the tree, you know, get out of the ranger have him drive by you, that one shot gets me in the tree stand. That's all I got to have. Another way to start and end a day, give me a sunset. Give me a moonshot. Give me a time lapse. What's a time lapse subconsciously tell you? That time is passing. There's so many things that you can do with your camera 
that are so simple to subconsciously get your viewer wherever you want them to be. Yeah, I think I think partially, you know, just look at how go watch anything in a movie theater. Go watch anything. any show on Netflix. Anything. You will not see hardly any graphic transitions. The only things you'll see sometimes are cross dissolves, sometimes a fade to black, but both of those I think especially in Hollywood are used to signify very specific things. Yeah. Um, I see cross dissolves a lot for passage of time within a certain spectrum, I guess. So you maybe a, to to almost blur the passage of time within like a day or, you know, yeah. a sit and then the the fade to black is a end of day, end of scene. There's a lot of time between this and the next thing. You want you want But they don't it, use no. And they don't use the slides. Nope. Some they don't use slides, they don't use the twirls, they don't use a lot of fancy whip pans. Not a lot of that. And if and if it is, it's stylistic and for a purpose. Yeah. But it's not just everywhere. You watch any good production, a Netflix show, a movie, anything, it is ninety nine point nine percent of the time it's gonna be hard cuts. Hard cuts that are overlaid over audio that are establishing shots or big wide shots of a building and you know and the next thing you hear you know you hear you see a big wide shot of a police station and the next thing you hear is a police guy a detective talking to another detective and then you are in that scene well what did that subconsciously tell me that building we're about to go in that building that's where we're going that established where we're going you watch anything they're going to have establishing shots and they're going to have transition shots and they're going to be hard cuts yep simple i mean it's it, it sounds like that's that seems too easy and that seems too simple that that that's how simple it is it's literally and i've said this a thousand times it's literally hard cuts a beginning a middle and an end and do a good job of producing dialogue you don't need interviews you don't need voiceover it's that simple and just being conscious of yep. getting those things. And then when you're in the edit, be conscious of, you know, if you're watching a shot and you do that hard cut and you're like, oh, man, yep. that hit me in the face. I didn't like that. And analyzing why that was. And, and you know, maybe it's reframing. Maybe it's picking a different thing. Learning. Just, yeah. just, just you, know, you get a feel for when things are smooth and, and where the viewer's eyes are and stuff like that. But, you know, it's just doing the work to 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 get those things shooting with a purpose yeah right you go to the field and you shoot with a purpose you don't just go and start vomiting through the lens you don't go out there and just start filming everything willy-nilly everything that you shoot has to have a purpose what is this shot going to tell my viewer subconsciously well if i see a leaf and a tree blowing really hard what is that saying the wind's blowing you know that that i don't have to say the wind's blowing i can see that if it's snowing, I know it's cold. You know, all those things tell me something. You just have to do a good job of using those shots, shooting with a purpose, and when you get into editing, put those things in a place and in a way that tells a story that you want told. But if you don't do the work in the field, I don't care how good of an editor you hire or how good of an editor you are, it's not going to be good. If you don't do the work in the field, I would say 75% of a really good production is in the field. If you I mean, if you don't do a good job in the field, there's only so much an editor can do. That is correct. Did we hit it all? I think the only thing that I would add to all of this is a lot of those transitions, drones, time lapses, stuff like that. The uh, A lot of that stuff is you're doing outside the hunting time and you know, you get that, that animal down, okay, now you shift and go, or, you know, the last day of the trip or whatever it is, you're making a mental stock of, of what you have on your hard drive, what footage you've shot, and, and what things you, you may need, you know, yeah. and just making sure that you don't leave a location without at least something. I mean, sometimes the hunt is so fast, and you're, mm. I mean, like, when I was with Kip this past trip, there were so many deer all the time. And we were either on deer, shooting a deer, or 
or recovering a deer, recovering a deer, or taking care of that deer, yeah. skinning, you know, all that sort of stuff. That I hardly had time to do all of those, all of those things. But before we left, I just made sure I put the drone up. I got a time lapse, and you know, got a couple scenics, and just you know, you're always sprinkling in those kind of things when you're shooting. But just having something at least that you know. and and making sure that not every one of those scenes that you shoot is tied to a specific location or time yeah if you shoot a really cool night lapse and you put the red arrow truck in it then it shows it in front of a, a certain lodge well guess what you can only use it at that certain hunt you know and, it, and it's cool to have you know scenics that are tied to specific i can't even say it specific location but it's also nice to have some more generic transitions, like a night lapse that doesn't have any branding or any truck in it, or a, a drone that doesn't have a specific person in it that's just a wide shot that shows the corner of a Midwestern field. You know, because you can use that on three or four shows that all look the same, um, you know, with that same client or with that same, you know, if it's for yourself, you know, and you're hunting one farm, then that's really easy. You know, you can shoot you know shoot it however you want and repackage and reuse um but for us working with several other you know several different clients where we can't you really i can't use kip's footage on dudley's show and vice versa that's just not how it works they own their own footage we don't own it so just make sure when you're shooting things that you don't tie it and that, that an editor can only use it for one show you know make it to where it's usable for other places unless it's something really cool that there's a reason why you need to tie it to that location then it's fine you know what i've been doing with the especially night lapses but you know a lot of the drone stuff is the first time i set up a night lapse or put the drone up i get the location specific mm-hmm. kind of shots uh, because i know that if something happens and we got to leave or i don't get the chance to do that you know later on in the hunt i have the location specifics and then after that, then I'll start to get the broad ones, you know. Mm, yeah. The next night lapse will be trees or, you know, we're in Texas, so something that says Texas, but we had two or three different Texas hunts, yeah. so it could be used in any of those. Well, and the cool thing about flying the drone is you can get, and I can get five or ten shots on one drone flight. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go up, and I've got a kind of a ten-second timer in my head. Is I get a, a, a cool establishing shot of the camp, 10 seconds. Boom, I'm off to the next one. Now I'm going to get low over the trees and fly the trees, 10 seconds. Boom, now I'm going to get way up and look straight down on the field corners, three shots. Now I'm going to do a spin around this big oak tree that's in the corner of this field, fourth shot. You know, there's in, in five minutes of flying, I can get five or 10 shots because I'm never going to use a full one-minute you know, flying across these fields, unless I'm gonna, unless I'm gonna speed it up, you know, just remember, and that's another thing you'll notice in a really, really good edit, a really, really good production. You're never gonna see a shot used more than five or six seconds. The camera angle is gonna change, the cut's gonna change, the 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 timeline's gonna change somehow every three to five seconds. Most of the time, it's even faster. So just remember that, you know, shots. You don't ever need to have shots that last longer than that without some sort of supporting footage. So, but that's where you get into editing, you get into editing the music and show pace and all that stuff. And that's something that we're going to do more podcasts on. We're trying to keep the podcast right now. Ryan and I have kind of talked about it. We're trying to keep the podcast a little more one-on-one driven because a lot of the a lot of the questions and um, DMs and stuff that we're getting are a lot more. Uh, you know, cameraman 101 type deal. But, the, you know, what we're talking about is something that anybody can do. You know, we want to get a lot more in-depth with, like, that storytelling and show pace and all that, and we're going to. But, you know, right now we're trying to make it to where this is relevant information right now for guys that are out there starting and learning and, and trying to step up their production. And there's, you know, this is the easiest way. I would take somebody who understands producing and give them an f- iPhone or a GoPro and let them go into the field versus handing somebody a $10,000 camera that doesn't know how to produce, I'll take that guy with the iPhone over the guy with the $10,000 camera any day. It, it's, not, it's, it's not near as important as what you're shooting on as how you're shooting with that. So just 
remember that when you're going out there. A lot of guys are getting into the DSLR world. Um, if you're looking to, to buy a new camera, I, I recommend getting a DSLR um, as your first camera because if you can learn how to run that, you can run anything. Um, that's that's going to be one of the harder things to learn on, just to let you know, especially if you're going to try to run things in manual. But um, if you learn how to run it, you can run anything. And the great thing about having a DSLR is you can do pictures and video, which I don't know. I've kind of gotten to where I enjoy taking pictures about as much as I like taking video. So. You know what they say, Caleb? What's that? If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> where did that come from? If you can run a DSLR, oh, you can run anything. Okay, I was, I was confused. As to you kind you kind of went a little yeah. a little further than the relevance, but it was in my head, and I just really I just really wanted to get okay, that. Okay, well, one I'm out glad there. you gave me the explanation because I was lost there for a second. <laughs> All right, well, we are an hour and 15 minutes away from our destination. We are in Lamar, Texas, at the moment, and um, we have been podcasting for well over an hour and 15 minutes, five minutes, an hour and five minutes. So. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, you enjoy it, please go to iTunes and rate and review. That would be awesome. If you have something you want us to expand on, talk more about, please uh, email us, rednecktechpodcast at gmail.com or go to red, uh, at, Redneck Tech, uh, at Redneck Tech Podcast on Instagram and DM us there or comment on something or, you know, good or bad. Like, if you don't like something, tell us. You know, you're not going to hurt my feelings, I promise. Um, but we just, we're, we're wanting to tailor this to the guys that are wanting to do better, that are wanting to learn. Um, and I feel like I sound like a broken record. If I'm a broken record, please tell me, because I feel like I'm saying the same things over and over again. But, um, we're just trying to, trying to make this thing better and, uh, help you guys out. But anyway, we appreciate it. See y'all later. (laughs)